A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our monthly Q&A show on The Big Interview. This time, we're changing things up a little bit. We have a new signing joining our team. I'm Neil White, and alongside myself and Graham Hunter today, we have Pete Jensen, who covers Spanish football for the Daily Mail and whose voice you may well recognise from your radio. Pete, welcome. Glad to be here, Neil. Glad to be here, Graham. Also, also, whoa, whoa, you, in, in the old Barnum and White uh, Bailey, uh, you, you dumbed him down a little bit. He's the leading um, voice. I can't be dumbed down, Graham. I'm undumbed downable. On, on La Liga, you notice how I just let, let that one go. Um, if you're tuning into La Liga, you're hearing from Pete the best commentary that there is going, and you're seeing his wit and wisdom in the, in the Media Pro studios of La Liga television, and you should be. Um, because it's all very well reading in print, when, as he's about to prove here, the audio version, the audio-visual version, that's just like, man, that's just like jelly and cream. But this is this is uh, strawberry jelly, is what I'm saying. Favourite jelly flavours coming up in part two, people. We've got quite a lot to get through before that. So let's start with socio Shane Hurley. Thank you for sending in your question, Shane. Hello, Graham and Pete, says Shane. About this time last season, Graham, I asked about the structure of Real Sociedad. Would they have the depth to push for the Champions League? Would they be able to hold on to players and build in the long run? It's been an excellent start from Real. How do you guys think they'll continue the season? And is there money to invest in January? As I believe, says Shane, a striker to finish off some of these extra chances and turn draws to wins could be golden. I think um, asking them to spend money in January is... It's probably going to be a tall order, Shane. I don't think anyone's going to have any money. And, and I think a club that's put so much into its youth system and so much into the cantera is probably not going to go into the market. Unless uh, William Jose throws another wobbly like he did, um, was it last January, when he, was, he had half a foot in, in Tottenham? But they've got players like Lobetti and Roberto Lopez and Bautista who, who, who can give something if there's an injury and if there's no injury to William Jose and there's no injury um, to, to Isak then I think they'll go with that until the end of the season they won't want to break they won't want one of those two unhappy about suddenly not getting minutes because there's a third there's a third man in there uh, and as to your question about can they last a distance well Silva's injured isn't he uh, so it's well timed your question so he's not going to play in the Europa League on Thursday he's not going to play at the weekend well he's, he's a doubt for the weekend against Villarreal 
So we're going to find a lot out if, if he is missing from that game against Villarreal. How do they how do they cope without him? I think they've got more than just him, um, and I think that's been a feature of them so far. That they've got lots of tricks up their sleeve. Janazai was brilliant on Sunday, first time he's put in a real shift, but he was absolutely off the scale. So um, they're going to for, for an extra from train spotting, isn't it? I mean, he's playing oh, sick yeah. boy, good, good shout. But he's also nicking the ball into the middle for for Isaac, isn't he? It's it's choose life, choose goals, isn't it? At the moment, yeah. I mean, he's kind of the the eternal promise, isn't he, Genesis? And and he's maybe never going to be the consistent player that everyone thought he was when he had five different teams. Was Scotland one of those teams that was claiming him? I know England was, um, Belgium, Albania. There were a few more, weren't there? But he doesn't necessarily. a very Peter Head name yeah so wh- whether we wanted him or not it's patently clear whoever he stars for he is actually deep down well he's probably got Aberdeen links let's face it everyone everyone else has uh, somewhere down the line it's, it's um, a good early it's a good early mention it's a good early um, mention in, but um, he doesn't need to be that consistent this season he just needs to play four or five brilliant games Porter will do the rest and yeah I think they, I think they can last the distance win it maybe not but uh, still be in it at the end of the season I think well, what Pete said there, Shane, I think is is. I mean, you've got your opinion. You've you've said that you see chances going a begging. I think that what's really important is that Porto was a really low scorer and finished the that meltdown after lockdown, those eleven games without goal or an assist. And suddenly he's prodigious with goals and assists, and also enjoying himself and looking ultra quick and aggressive, either as an impact sub or. The starter player, and then when he comes out, like again, Pete, does it? Maybe you knew, but because this subject about Johnny's eyes coming up a lot, I, I went back and looked. Does it surprise you that he hasn't played a game for Belgium in a year? And I think he's had about four starts for Belgium. He's only had three starts for Real Sociedad. Well, there's there's the something about this player that whenever you and I are in the studio, I don't know if the ex pros are saying the same to you. As I've been, I've been witness to twice in the studio. Once I've been watching um, the rest of the gang in the studio, and the ex pros that work with us rave about him because he's that different player. He's, he is two footed. He, he he loves. He, he's not an old fashioned winger, but he, he loves to do the things that old fashioned wingers would do naturally, which is like, "Hey, baby, it's me and you. I want to take you on and make your afternoon shit." It looks. It might be a mirage, but it looks to me as if he's enjoying. Uh, playing near Silva, whether that's a you know steadying influence or a learning influence, I don't know. But you you put Porto in the team he performs. You put Genesis in the team he performs, and I would add to your point that like this is not as good as Iniesta, Xavi, Pedro, Puyol, Pique, Valdez, Alba, but it's something close. And there's a clutch of maybe eight, nine of them who are eighteen to twenty four all of whom are either local boys or who've come through Zubieta and therefore feel the badge. What do you, I mean, Imanol, you'll probably, I, I, I'm guessing, we haven't spoken about this, you'll have a similar feel to me in that, you know, Imanol would walk over broken glass for a week if it meant a point extra all season. That's what he feels about... Um, the club that he coaches. He's a, it's as if you were coaching Portsmouth, Neil was coaching Falkirk, I was coaching Aberdeen. It's that, I don't know what Shane's team is, Neil. I think, I mean, I, it sounds to me like Shane has got an investment in this particular story. In La, La Real. Well, look, all I'd say is, it, it, Imanol, as a coach, needs to have a lot more than that, but it's proving that he does and that he's patently learned from whatever on the 
on the training ground led to the, the the mental and physical freeze that they showed until the very last game when they managed to just sneak through into Europe. And he's got this clutch of footballers, whether it be uh, Saldua or Corazabal or Bernicea or... Okay, uh, the captain Bigfoot, Davy Moyes, gave his debut two five years ago, exactly five years ago in November. Mikel Oyarzabal, Marino is a slightly different case, but who else? Have I, so do I've mentioned Zubeldia, I am Munoz for exactly. You so the, this, this clutch of about eight or nine of them are between eighteen and twenty four. They're it, they play like a band of brothers. It really matters to them, and we've seen. What can happen when you've got good players to whom the club really, really matters? And and soon, you know, God willing, vaccine willing, all that kind of stuff. That brilliant stadium that they've renewed, that's now not got a running track, that's going to, is eventually going to be full of fans. The queue is going to be around the block to fill that place up to watch them play like they're playing. I, I didn't see what Shane saw that they're lacking a lot of goal conversions. I think if you've got Isaac, William Jose, Oyarzabal, or two contributing a decent amount of goals and then some coming from Silva, Merino, um, the odd one or two presumably coming from Januszai, the centre-backs now and again getting set plays. I think they've got a, a, a powerful enough array of strikers unless, like you say, they do some trading. I, I, I really like the way that they're set up and whether they win the title or not, which is a gigantic ask in terms of mentality, isn't it? I think Le- learning to go the full course. It- yeah, I mean, me- me- mentality is going to be the big thing, isn't it? Because we've, we've seen before in the run-ins, we've seen teams like Villarreal and, C- and Sevilla come close. And you just get that last three or four weeks of the season when it's almost as if, and this is, happens to the fans, not just the players, they start to think, you know what, we really shouldn't be winning the league. This is not what we're about. You know, that's for Barcelona and Madrid to do. And I think Silva is so tough mentally, and Monreal as well, and Marino. And I think that they might have that mental toughness if it comes down to it at the end of the season. Their, their goals against ratio, not just the fact that they've only conceded what, four in ten. If you go across the top four leagues, which I take to be England, Italy, Germany, France plus Spain, top five. Their goals against ratio beats everybody. Fucking Liverpool, Spurs, PSG, uh, Bayern Munich, Juventus. It's extraordinary. Now, maybe it's not going to be like this forever, but I don't see that they've got in any of the back four or the keeper, Romero, one, two outstanding defensive guys who are like, ah, I, geez, you pinpoint, they're the rocks and around them everybody's functioning. It seems to be a complete collective job right across the team and their record at the moment, albeit with big tests to come against the other bigger sides, their record, and I, I, I'll close on my part, Pete may have more to say, I don't like the way that VRL freeze against the big boys. And Sevilla last season, against the bigger competitors at the top of the league, I think they took three points of a possible 18. I don't think Real Sociedad will do that. I think Real Sociedad have got the, the, the chops to take big points, whether it's six or, or, or four or whatever, against Real, Real Madrid, who they've beaten recently in the cup. Against, I think, they, if they catch Barcelona on a moderate day and La Real on a good day, I think Real, La Real pump them, so... Graham, you mentioned there the state, the stadium, and how that that might fire up Lariel even more. Pete, I'm wondering, is there anything that you're hearing 
that makes you think that this club have got something right about operating in these extraordinary circumstances? Because right across Europe, we're seeing some clubs overperform during this extraordinary uh, session of football. And I wonder if, if uh, Larial doing anything that, that, that might m- explain the start they've had. Well, Graham mentioned Barcelona and some people might have fallen out their chairs at that point and thought, wait, 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 wait. wait. Yeah, they're, not, they're not playing like Barcelona. And in fact, they are in, in patches so far this season. But I think the other likeness you can draw between them and Barca is this idea that they have about how they're going to play and the thing about the youth teams playing the same way and the fact that Xabi Alonso... Um, I'm not sure now, but I know last before the international break, Real Sociedad would be with top of be with top of their league. Don't ask me what league it is because the third tier of Spanish football has been reorganised in such a way that no one, including the players, understands. Segunda B Group yeah, Four, something like that. But they were top after three games. They won all three games. So Chabi Alonso is there. Um, waiting you know one day to take the job and it may be that he goes somewhere else and then comes back but in in that sense yeah I mean they are set up for this era we're now living in when nobody not even Barca and Madrid can throw the money around and on that on that point Neil Zubieta is if we're honest is a is a relatively basic um, uh, facility I'm not being rude about it but we are seeing the really elite clubs around Europe Refresh their training grounds as, as much as they're refreshing their uh, their stadia, and when you go there, you can see it's not mend and make do, but it's it's um, largely as it's been for many decades. But I had the luck through sponsors in UEFA to interview Xavi Alonso last week, and without pretending that he said anything that splits the atom, one question about what's happening. And he talked about all the youth teams and his B team that Pete uh, talked about and the senior team mixing on that training ground. Okay, the fields are different, but they're broadly sharing the experience. The younger ones are looking up to Oyarzabal and Zaldua and Zubeldia and whoever, it, whoever Ayaramendi, whoever it might be, and going, look what they do, Look at their timekeeping. Look at how they practice, whether they do extra or not. Look, there's Xavi Alonso. There's Imanol. If you've grown up in the region, Imanol is a relatively re- legendary figure, at least in that region. And it's it's um, an environment where biosmosis good habits are being bred. And I mentioned that because Xavi Alonso, who you both know, is a pretty tough nut. You don't see him getting all quivery and jelly-like about things. He's, he's you know, he's lived in a a football family since he was a kid. Um, his dad was a big star in the Basque Country and for Barcelona and Spain. And he was all of a quiver about uh, there are several special generations there. And the idea of doing things right again and again and again in Zubieta and having players like Uyarzabal saying, yeah, I got a massive offer to go to Athletic Bilbao and, and bollocks them. Not only am I not going, but um, I'm going to re-sign, I'm going to renew my contract, and I'm not going to put a buyout clause in because I don't want it. That those, Things like that, that trickle-down affects the academy and the attitude and the the, the ambiente. What do you say, ambiente, Peter? The, the, the atmosphere. Yeah, okay. I, I think, anyway, there you go. Next question from one of our long-term favourites, Diana Yao. Hi, Diana, how are you doing? Could this current La Liga season really be Atleti's or are there reasons 
that it may not happen. Graham, let's start with you. No, well, I'm convinced. I don't think that they're a shoe in but I'm convinced, A, that they can win the title. And I'm, I'm even more convinced that they should win the title. I'm hugely enamoured with their midfield. I don't think there's a... I mean, even Bayern. Well, if you're looking at a midfield whereby you've got... You, you want Saul not to be playing at left-back, and he's not. You kind of want him to be probably playing left-central midfield. And for my taste, you'd really like him to be playing next to Koke. In my opinion, not since the title, which they won in 2014, has Koke played better football. I'm absolutely loving watching the responsibility that he's taken and the way in which his industriousness is married to really good use of the ball. I'm just loving it. I think Torreira into that midfield um, it was unlucky that for you know um, the, the the big win against Barcelona which hadn't happened in, in nine years of Cholo Simeone that Torreira was absent due to COVID. It, it seems that he's another footballer who's asymptomatic and isn't suffering so thank goodness for that. I think he adds, can add some of the things they lost with Gabby. He's not as, you know, Gabby was a, an outright download, don't turn your back on him on a, on a Friday night alleyway, because, you know, he was a dirty dog. But his football brain and his ability to galvanise others into giving more, they've missed that so much. And Torreira's got bits of that. Then you throw in Herrera, who I wasn't that enamoured of, and, and Pete was much more quickly than me, saw it, and his, I think, creative... He's a big rangy guy, a reasonably big rangy guy. His creative running into spaces, his passing, his ability to take on risks, his distribution adds a little bit of finesse, in my opinion. Then you're going Durante, who, OK, will sometimes play off a striker, but is currently playing at right midfield, has proved to be bionic in terms of not only the kilometres that he covers, but his sprints and his ability to, to win... And, and, and make goals out of shitty situations in the box. You give him a situation with his with his arse to goal, falling halfway to his right, and sixteen players around him. And he wriggles out of it as if he was made of jelly. It's like John Belushi, and he still can comes out shouting toga, you know. And then on top of that, st- stop me if you want. You've got Vitolo who doesn't get a game, who will come on and run at people. You've got little Correa, who again can play second striker, but is is is, is largely an attacking midfielder in in my opinion. Carrasco, if you're a relatively normal wide defender or fullback in La Liga and you've got Carrasco the next night running at you, you're going to have to come out with brown shorts on. He's ultra-technical. The nutmeg that he produced to, to, to put the ball through Ter Stegen's legs in, in the middle of the pitch on the run was, was Cruyff-esque. He, he's big and he'll knock you about. He'll score and make goals. He was Atleti's best player in a destruction in Bavaria against Bayern Munich. And then, just to, just to go on all because the lady loved, swinging in out of the dark into the into the bedchamber is Jeffrey Big Old Boy Kondogbia, who is an utterly outstanding, commanding, win the ball, Patrick Vieira style, stride forward, knock it in a dangerous area and knock it into the goals from a distance midfielder. It's I mean, I probably missed about six. Well, I'd elaborate on one of those and, and add one more name who's not a midfielder, but the one I'd elaborate on is Carrasco. First of all, I think uh, we, we've looked at the goal at the weekend and, and too many people maybe have seen it just as a mistake. He's still got so much to do. The touch through the legs of Ter Stegen and to finish uh, from the distance out that he finished, it was superb. And he's just come back a different player. 
Um, if you, people remember when he when he went to China, um, there seemed to be something maybe in his contract that said after two years Atleti had to sell him. So off he went. Of course, he scored the goal in the 2016 Champions League final. He was a good player. He was a good player. He couldn't defend. He didn't want to defend. Um, and whether it was work playing for Rafa Benitez, I'm sure Rafa will, will be happy to take the credit for it. Uh, whether it was that, whether it was going to to China and, um, and, and, and having to be the most important player in that team. And I think the first season he had to keep them up. And then, you know, he was always the, the main guy. And he's admitted that he's come back maturer, more mature. Um, and, you know, what he showed on Saturday was that, you know, he can play that wing-back role when Simeone wants to operate that system. And that brings me to the other name I was going to mention, which, which is Hermoso. Um, signed last season, lots of high expectation. Didn't really do it, but has just given Diego Simeone a, another option this season. He can play uh, instead of Lodi, gives Trippier far more freedom to get forward, gives them a, still a three at the back when Trippier's out of position, um, and it's just made them a lot, a lot stronger at the back. Um, and what they've got now is, as they showed at the weekend, you know, we can play this new way, and isn't it wonderful? But you know what? When we have to, we'll go back to the old way, uh, and we'll play that way too. Um, so yeah, I think I don't think it's silly talk to say at the moment after what we played. Most teams have played ten games. They of course haven't. They're the favourites. Diana asks, guys, are there reasons that it may not happen? So if you had to, if if we install them as favourites, what are the 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 likely stumbling blocks? Is is there one injury they can't? At the end of last season, Oblak let the club know that he was really unimpressed with their lack of competitive ability at, at top trophy level by which he meant La Liga and the Champions League he wasn't impressed with the quality of signings and that you know Griezmann had gone and that Lamar hadn't worked and his attitude was that if they got the right money from Chelsea and, and Lampard at that stage obviously Mondi wasn't on the radar Kepa's goose was cooked months before with Frank Lampard and with Jody Morris and Nobody would cough up because the club were absolutely resolute in saying it must be the buyout clause, which Diana will know all about. Memory tells me it was 120. It, Atleti were, were needed a, needed to make 100 in general just to help them with their debt uh, reparsing, which they haven't at the moment. And therefore, I'll come to my point. Um, Oblak stayed. I think he's been as good as ever without ever, not once needing to be exceptional this season. Um, there was nothing he could do in Bavaria against Bayern. And that night I thought I looked at a guy going, oh, is this it again? Here we go again. I'd imagine he doesn't feel like that right now because in front of him, he's seeing what Pete talked about, his new style. There was a move in about the sixth, seventh, eighth minute um, where uh, Barca were harassed by Correa into playing the ball long, give it away. And Atleti played out from the back. And it was pass after pass after pass, some risks where they had to win it back. And broadly, they went from their own end of the pitch, pass, 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 space, start again, pass, pass, pass. And it ended with um, Joe Felix and Carrasco linking up to lay the ball off to Saul. And it was that brilliant top right corner save from Stegen. And it was very much what Pete talked about in the, in, in you know the, the, the new cinema. So All Blacks must be looking out in front of all that and thinking, well, I'm glad I stayed. We've got a chance of winning the title. It doesn't look as if we're good enough to win... Um, the Champions League but turn it on its head what if All Black said halfway through the season I'm leaving got disaffected I, you know please let it not happen gets injured 
They have a couple of untested goalkeepers. But a black on his day, um, if you don't ask about his distribution or, or, or quick, quick, when you're being pressed and you want to play five passes around a six-yard box, that's not where he's best. If you're talking about being under bombardment. On his day, all black can argue about being the best goalkeeper in the world. Now, they don't have, and it's very rare that you've got a backup keeper who's as, who's not as good as that, but who's a, an acceptable acceptable replica, like it was with Stegen and Bravo when, when Barcelona won a treble. So there's an Achilles heel. He, they're, you're, they're so reliant on him that they need this Slovakian giant who's just, I think, exceptional and underrated because the mode is about, look what Alisson does, look what Ederson does, look what Stegen does. That's the mode at the moment. Oblak, in his own way, is is utterly exceptional. And I think that's a little bit of a problem. And and the big deal then, sorry, Peter, i hand back to you, is that Suarez needs to contribute well. I, I think... 15 good goals rather than 25. 15 goals that really count in big matches. Now we're only talking about the league and not Europe. That needs to happen because I think there they might be a little light for a title-winning attack line. Unless Luis Suarez does what we all think he's capable of. And I hope he does. I hope he does for him, for Atleti, and also to stick it right up Football Club Barcelona. If they're the Achilles heels, then I think... Um I think they're going to be fine. I think, I don't want to jinx him, but he's old school, isn't he, old black? You remember when goalkeepers never used to get injured? They used to play cup finals with broken collarbones and things like that. And he's a little bit like that. Um, and I think Suarez will deliver. I think Suarez will deliver. Um, I'd say maybe right back, Trippier doesn't seem to have a substitute. And that was proving a problem earlier in the season. But he's kind of, he's you know he's got his mojo back now and he was good again at the weekend. But they look very, very complete. And, and as Graham touched on earlier, to be able to bring in Condogbia and Torreira in the, in the window, um, albeit upset about losing party, but in a way getting two players who are more suitable for the position that they, that they were trying to make party play last season. They're better than last season. There's more to them. Um, and I don't see too many weaknesses. I think it's almost as if they traded up. So, you know, Diana, Pete, you, you don't know Diana as well as we do because she's been with us as a contributor and a socio for years and she knows her football really, really well. So the question was 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 sharp. Um, I think she probably knew that I fancied Atleti. And also, I'll close by saying, I, um, I think the onus is on them to win the title. It, this isn't the time to speak about Barcelona and Real Madrid, but both of them have got significant problems and just like we were all saying before the Barca game, because anybody who doesn't know, it had been, I don't know how many games, 18 games or nine years, Simeone's Atleti had never beaten Barcelona in the league. And you're looking at Barcelona going into that game, you say, well, if not now, when? And I think it's the same with the title. I think they're ready. I think they've got a better squad. I think institutionally they've got less um, rocks to crash into. The fact that they've got debt to service was negated by the fact that they could spend money on Condobia. So m- my answer in summary, Diana, is, and it's clear that Pete's got at least as strong a, a view as me, is that not only do I think that they are really credible um, title challengers, I think the onus is on them to prove between now and May that they, that they can and they will win the title. This is their year. It's their, this is their season. Just the last point also, Diana, you, you'll know that the more that Simeone says one game at a time, the more he believes that they can win it. And he's now giving that answer to questions that are not even about the title race. So, you know, he knows. He knows. Thanks for the question, Diana. Guys, we're going to take a break now. We'll be back very soon with more of your questions. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back with more of your questions. Let's hear from one of our socios who sent in their question. Tom Lee, you're up. Hola, Graham, Pete, Socio Tom Lee here, short and sweet. Um, great season so far. I know they've played odd amounts of games, but the top five is in itself magnificently entertaining. Um, Real Sociedad, Atletico Madrid, Villarreal and Cadiz all featuring at this early stage. I know they've played odd amounts of games, etc. Um, can the status quo continue? Predictions, please, gentlemen. Um, Real Sociedad would be welcome champions. Atletico, maybe for the first time in seven years. Graham, you were talking up Sevilla before the season began. Uh, who do you think and why, please? Tip Top Tom. Um, tip Top Tom's tips. Um, Tom, for any of the socios who don't recognise him and you should is a real authority on particularly football and horse racing and he was our conduit to an excellent big interview with Paul Robinson um, I did talk Sabia up Tom and I don't regret it because I think that they have got um, not only an arch squad builder in Monchi but I think they've got Monchi on form I think if you look at the composition of this squad although um, it's, it's patently obvious that had they been able to keep Regulon, it would have been good for them. Acuna, I think, is going to gradually um, be powerful and be another relative Munchy success. And Escudero is beginning to find the form that made him an absolute must in the team every week under previous managers when Sevilla was successful. That, that's a little bit micro. Across the squad, I really like their uh, composition, their mix of abilities, their mentality as a group. Um, I think that even given all of uh, Monchi's successes, two two guys in this stick out. Julian Lopetegui, for me, it remains something of an acquired taste. Um, have you met him? I'm not convinced he's the brightest man to walk Homo erectus in, on this planet. Um, and... As a football coach, I was worried a little bit that he was a man out of time, slightly. And yet, you watch him changing footballers in the squad. I think he's had a really big beneficial effect on Suso for sure, uh, Munir uh, for sure. And that links me back to the other, because he's had a big impact on this guy. Um, the other massive munchy success that uh, adds luster to the idea that maybe Sevilla aren't going to win title. They're not going to be kings of Spain, but they might be king makers because I think they'll take big points off the other big teams in the top five, top six, which they didn't do last season. I think they're equipped to now. It's Koundé. Koundé came in from Bordeaux. I think Pete and I, I think you and I were in the same show, the Wednesday La Liga show, Pete, when Gus Poyet was saying, oh, I had that kid at Bordeaux. Look out for him. He, he's he's a little bit rangy. He's a bit mad. He goes for a wander. He, you, you can't stop him. He... 
And at, at that stage, I think he was probably about 19 or something, 18 when Gus had him, maybe 19-ish when he came in, maybe 20. Koundé took a, a minute or two to find the, the, the pace, to find the responsibility, and it very much helps him that he's in a partnership. I think one of the best centre-half partnerships in Europe, if you look at them pound for pound, he's also extraordinary. He became, He's a player who I think has played 48 times for Sevilla in all competitions since joining, and he's 21 or 20 or 22. He's had five defeats. In the 12 games since he signed that Sevilla have played without Koundé, I don't think it's a coincidence. They've been beaten six times. As soon as he dropped out of the squad um, in, in this La Liga campaign, and it isn't simply about his defence, his ball carrying, his athleticism, even though he's not a giant, his, the power per packet is is huge. He's blatantly an utterly effervescent character. He's confirmed recently the stories that Manchester City came in for him when they couldn't get Jimenez. Sevilla said, no, you ain't getting him before we played Bayern in the Super Cup. The market was then closing. They'd got Diaz from Portugal on the hook, so, so they went and did it. So the short answer about why they won't be uh, champs, Tom, is that they, even though there are goals dribbling in from Munir, maybe in, in, in the Serie, and maybe one or two from Suso and Navas, and one or two from the midfield... De Jong isn't going to get you the 19, 20, 21, 22 goals that you need to win the title from your striker. He just isn't. He's better. You can see more this season what he did at PSV and why Munchie bought him. But it, they needed another striker. You know, they needed to get... Who's the kid that, that went to Monaco that I absolutely... Uh, ben Ben Yedder or Gamero they've hired or... Ubaka, you know, they needed a jack-in-the-box like that to, to be champion, in my opinion. But I think that they are better. It's the most I've liked Lopetegui's work. Um, they're doing all of this. I, Pete, I'm going to hand, and I promise to hand sooner, but of all the teams in Spain that lose because of no crowds, you'd put Athletic and Sevilla somewhere near the top. They're doing what they've done without crowds. I think it's remarkable. Tom, I'll hand to Pete just saying, i tell you something, I'm, I'm enjoying Sevilla a lot now. Yeah, I'm not quite as optimistic as Graham, Tom. I, I, I think it's going to be slightly tougher this season for them. Um, I think the, they were so much about the fullbacks last season, and Navas was so brilliant. How, how much longer can he go on being brilliant? You know, what is he now? Forty-six years old. He's, 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 a, he's a freak of nature. But and obviously on the other side, Regulon, love Regulon, love Regulon, and 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 I think Acuna's going to. It's going to. It's a tough job to take over from Regulon. Um, absolutely agree about Kunde and was surprised that Manchester City stopped at 55 million euros because I think he's a Pep Guardiola centre-back 100% through and through. Um, so they did well keeping hold of him. Rakitic, is it going to work out? Let's hope so. We all love Rakitic. Um, but um, Eva Banega's a big miss as well. So um, not to talk for too long because Graham's spoken about, about Sevilla, but um, I think it's going to be very difficult for them this season to, to be in that title race and you know it's going to be it's going to be a struggle to get in the top four because there are at least five teams who have got a very good chance of finishing top four this season. The top four is going to be uh, Real Sociedad, Sevilla, Atleti, and Real Madrid. Now we'll go to details on that because you know later on in the show there's this very specific question about it. But uh, Sevilla will be top four. I mean, I'm not in the in the. I'm wise enough not to challenge Pete on things that he says with certainty. And there's many of us slipped between cup and lip because uh, it's going to drain them to be consistently 
playing against better quality teams in Champions League than they did in the Europa League. But I, I've, I feel very strongly about them. And I think they've got two good goalkeepers now. They are what I was reaching for. You know, I think Vatslik needs to be the number one, but Bono has proved himself to be exceptional. I uh, just, I like them a lot. I think they're a top four candidate. And I agree with you, they're not going to be uh, title winners. But I just, I feel a power is rising in the South again. And, and Spanish football needs that. That's why I'm a little bit excited about them. Pete, there was a noise, a discontented noise amidst that. I don't know if you were uh, dissenting against an inclusion or an exclusion in Graham's list. No, I'm just wondering, you forgot about someone, didn't you, Graham, when you said those four? No, the dandies, the dandies play in the Scottish Premier League and, and we'll be fine. And if you're talking about Villarreal, I'll tell you why they won't be the one that, that you can complain about because as much as Unai Emery is, is making Villarreal you know, stronger and he's bottled it in, in the three big games... Um, at Camp Nou where they were atrocious away to Atleti where they could have gone for the win and just decided to tuck in at nil-nil and at home to Real Madrid at the weekend where it was like you know Cadiz took advantage of Real Madrid coming off the back of an international week with players missing and Villarreal took to not Villarreal Unai Emery took to within 25 minutes of the tape and, and losing 1-0 to, to put on Estupinian to put on Chukwesi to, to eventually okay uh, Jeremy got his minutes, but Taki. T- I, I, um, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm asking for too much too quickly. And Unai has a has a track record in Spain that you'd be very foolish to to bitch about. But what I want, I'm not being critical of him. I want more, and he's got the resources. And I think he's being overly cautious, and I don't like that. And I think it'll cost them top four. Yeah, agree. Beating Madrid at the weekend shooting fish in a barrel which, which is as Graham always tells me is how Hitchcock started um, but um, I love Johnny Mitchell at Fishstock she was brilliant she couldn't make it to Woodstock but she went to Fishstock and by the way how did Zidane get away with turning the narrative of that game at the weekend around to make it seem like Madrid had missed an opportunity to beat Villarreal it was completely the other way around yeah too cautious Emery and hopefully he'll change throughout, through the season and you know criminal under use of Kubo which he will pay for in January by Kubo saying uh, good bell, goodbye farewell adios if he doesn't start making better use of him um, and who else is up there well Granada have had a, a terrific start to the season um, but obviously you are asking too much if we're, we're going to talk about them um, you know at the top table but they, they've, they've done very well This is probably the deepest we've ever gone in a Q&A episode before we properly get to either Barcelona or Real Madrid. So there's three questions I'm going to tie together. Have at them as you will. First of all, hello to Martin Seabright, who I don't think we've heard from before. So thank you very much for getting involved. Who says, Eli Graham and Pete, despite other super clubs having the benefit of money from billionaire owners or oil-rich nations, Real Madrid and Barcelona have always felt like the ultimate giants of world football, with finances and pulling power to attract the great players. However, are we witnessing a transitional period for them both or signs of a poignant shift in their status? Our wonderful sponsors, Bet365, ask, will either Barcelona or Real Madrid fail to finish in the top four? Graham Hunter has already given his verdict there, but we can revisit that in more detail now. And finally, David Beaton, who I don't think is the same David Beaton that played for football club in the 1980s, says, will Barcelona finish in the top four. Yeah, in, in, in terms of Football Club Barcelona, I think it might be. Um, because I think that um, that's not just a little white icy pointed tip that the ship's sailing towards. There's a 
there's a big fucking iceberg underneath. Maybe this comes out a greater length and, and none of us can do full bio-tapestry on, on what's going wrong at Barcelona or how bad it's going to get. But I, not since I moved over here, and I don't know when you moved to Spain, Pete, I think it's at or around the same time, but I moved here in 2002 and the club was moribund. It was going in the wrong direction. It was full of people at, at, at directorial, administrative and playing level who weren't good enough. The fans had lost interest. The average credit was just under, just around 60,000, not the 90-something thousand it was under Guardiola. People forget that Barcelona have had desperately hard times before. They went six years without a trophy when Laporta won those elections in, which I guess maybe were 2003. I know Cruyff's son-in-law, Todd Bean, was the one who confirmed to me that they were running out of money to pay the administrative staff, the non-playing staff. And I think the club is more than there again. I think that the social mass has fallen out of love with the club and the Catalans are like that. I think that because the the blizzard of news media throws stuff at us constantly so that we're almost snow blind, we're talking about a squad which is proud, replete until their, you know, their trouser belt is bursting with trophies and personal wealth and self-belief and the club is trying to, the club which doesn't have a board or a president at least until January they've got an interim administrator they're trying to ask them to reduce the salary count by a, a minimum of about 190 million euros there was a day when you and I were reporting all three of us were reporting whereby okay squeeze that down percentage-wise to Spurs or Stoke or Falkirk or Aberdeen or Rangers where, where percentage-wise, if you went like for like, pound for pound, that would have been, that would have, it would have been earth-shattering. People don't talk about it now. The players are sitting hearing Messi, particularly in the recent weeks, gone, I'm out of here. They're looking at other sides still continuously able to, to beat them if they try harder and run harder. It is not all doom and gloom. The performance in Turin against a very poor Juventus, very poor Juventus, was historic. There will be people, just like there'll be people now with moist eyes looking back to Van Hal taking Barca to Bruges and giving a debut to several players who didn't make it, but giving a debut to Iniesta. And there'll be people doing that in six, seven, eight years about the season when Ansu super confirmed himself, when Pedri was signed, when Trincao made his debut, when Dest made his debut when Frankie de Jong grew up a little bit, all that kind of stuff. That that will happen. But right now, institutionally, in terms of the fans, in terms of their losses, and in terms of what it's going to take from a new board and a new manager after Koeman is gone, which will be guaranteed at the end of the season, if he lasts that long, um, and I hope he does. I, I agree with Pete. I think on a training ground, I think he's made an, a noticeable difference. I think it's horrible the way that he doesn't change games well enough in-game, but he has made a big difference. It's light years from Citian. But the, the, the this this monolithic, gigantic behemoth is steered for the rocks and there will be no um, 2008 click um, suddenly everybody wakes up because a new messianic leader comes in. It isn't going to happen. Institutionally and in sporting terms, Barcelona are in our rank rotten state and it, it corrodes so 
I, I have, you know, it'd be stupid with all the talent in our squad to say that, that they can't play play for top four football. Of course they can. But I said on the first day of the season, zero chance of the title. And I now think that there are opportunities to stay in the top four. I, I think that will be a, an achievement. If they're top four and Koeman walks away having given them the revenue, never mind the pride of top four, they have to be top four. It's as important as when Rivaldo scored that hat-trick culminating in an overhead kick against Valencia. When at the time, people all talk about the overhead kick, Pete, don't they? But at the time it was like, get us into the Champions League or this club's in, in deep shit. Neil, I, th- I, I think they're back there again and, and some. M- Martin's asking a, a pretty interesting question, which is, are any of these shifts... Do any of these shifts smell like sort of a generational, almost semi-permanent change? Well, in reverse order, in answer to David's question, yes, Barcelona will finish in the top four. Um, I think Sevilla will be the ones to miss out. I agree uh, with the the theory that Graham's already touched on and is going to elaborate on that they are going to have a disastrous season, but I can't see them not not finishing in the top four. I've got faith in Koeman. Um, I've got faith that Koeman will sort it out PK is going to be a massive miss they will have to do something in January they will have to do something I don't know who they're going to talk to uh, Morgan Friedman Morgan Stanley um, Nicky Morgan um, but um, something will have to happen if, if the worst case scenario is going to be the, you know, it's going to turn out that he's out for pretty much the whole season he's so important to them um, and you know, at some point, Messi is going to, you know, plug himself in somewhere and, you know, get that shock through his body and through his system. And maybe Koeman's already hit on the answer, which is not to take him to places like Ukraine in the Champions League when, you know, you're probably Champions League through already. And Pete, just briefly on Madrid, um, I mean, by comparison, let's not turn a drama into a crisis, but things don't seem to be going quite to plan at the Bernabeu. Yeah, and getting back, getting back to, to Martin's question, uh, of course the, the things are shifting because you've got these two clubs so reliant on football tourism, and football tourism is is obliterated, um, and has and, and that will last. You know that will will we'll clock up twelve months for sure of that being the case. Um, so it's bound to it's bound to take an effect. Um, but you would also say that there will be a recovery at some point. And that just because Hitafi are laughing at the moment because, you know, most of their money comes from the TV deal and very little of it from, from gate receipts and football tourism, you know, when things get back to normal, as it were, as normal as they're ever going to be again, um, Barca and, and, and Madrid will take advantage of that and the smaller clubs won't. And in terms of on the pitch, they don't inspire me, they don't ins- excite me, but they have this remarkable capacity, which Barcelona don't seem to have, of taking things from games where um, you know they shouldn't really do do, do that, and, and they did it at the weekend against Villarreal. Okay, guys, that's it for part one. More on Monday when Graham and Pete will talk Barcelona, the Premier League title race, and Scotland's return to the international top table for the first time since I don't know when. For now, thank you, Peter. Thank you, Graham, and thank you for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.